board. So that's coming. Great. So last week, we waded into this tiny little subject called marriage. <laughs> just, just a little thing. You can believe some of the questions I've gotten this week. Anyway, sorry. Um, so in this series on, uh, on the book of Ephesians, Life in Christ, we, we dove into uh, Ephesians 5, verses 21 to 33. We're going to read those in a, in a, in a moment. But, uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's a big subject. And, and as we said last week, we're not just talking about marriage. Marriage is an example of relationships. And it's, a, it's an example we see from the, from the passage, we'll talk about this later, of Christ and the church, of our relationship with God. So, so the principles that we're talking about are not just for you if you're married, they're for all of us, right? We need to, we need to understand that. So, um, so this is part two today. We, uh, we ran out of time last week and we said we're going we're gonna to finish it next week. So here we are. So we're going to read through this passage again. And uh, uh, we're going to start in verse 21. Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Wives, submit yourselves to your own husbands as, to, as you do to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, as Christ is head of the church, his body, of which he is the Savior. Now, as, Christ, as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit to their husbands in everything. Want to take the next Do slide? I get the next sure. Section? Okay, husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her to make her holy, cleansing her by the washing with water through the word, and to present her to himself as a radiant church without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish, but holy and blameless in this same way. Husbands ought to love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. After all, no one ever hated their own body, but they feed and care for their body, just as Christ does the church, for we are members of his body. For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. This is a profound mystery, but I'm talking about Christ and the church. However, each one of you also must love his wife as he loves himself, and the wife must respect her husband. So, as I said last week, this passage understood correctly is one of the most liberating passages of Scripture for women in the ancient world, whether you believe it or not. And, and I Pam said prove it. challenged me to prove it. So, uh, so we said last week that uh, in the Roman Empire, uh, it was an incredibly patriarchal society. If you were a woman, you had no rights. You could not inherit or own property. In fact, you basically were property. Um, for Paul to ref- so, so for Paul to reflect back, like a mirror, reflect back to the Roman culture, um, that, okay, yes, the husband is the head of the wife, but he is head of the wife in the way that Christ is head of the church. That means he must lay down his life for her. Right? That was revolutionary. Yeah. That 
was unthinkable to the Roman patriarchal mind. That the husband would somehow be required to sacrifice his own rights for the sake of his wife to flourish and to, to be all that she could be. To serve her would have been unthinkable. Um, and that they were to live in a relationship of mutual serving was revolutionary. We don't even understand. I, mean, I know we think in our culture it's still patriarchal and, and in some ways it is. But we don't understand how revolutionary this was. Yeah, and as gospel people, as followers of Christ, we are to live all of our relationships in mutual serving and love. Not, we're not just talking about marriage. Yeah, That's right. I mean, the microcosm of marriage we're looking at, because sometimes that's a testing ground for us to mature in. <laughs> but you can honestly translate that to uh, close relationships, too. Yeah. So, yeah. And, and headship that this passage talks about it is not about who's more important, who's more valuable. Um, it's, it's about... It's really about who's most responsible. That's what it's about, right? Who's most responsible um, for, the, for the development of the individuals in the marriage and in the family? Who's most responsible um, for the success of the marriage or the family? And at this point, Maybe some men who said, I'm the head of the house, want to bow out because that's pretty serious to take that kind of responsibility, right? Um, but it's there. Um, so, we want to. So, so, this picture that we had last week um, Christ, the, the husband is the head of the wife as Christ is head of of the church, is what this passage says. And we said last week that as Christ gave himself for his wife, the husband, for his bride, the church, um, the husband is to give his life for his wife. But also the wife is to, um, to serve her husband. And so there's, so there's this mutual, we called it the dance of, of mutual submission that happens. I couldn't convince him for us to do a little dance up here. I just thought that would be very visual, but eh, whatever. It would be. It would be... Uh, so we want to pick up where we left off. We don't off. want to burn, burn that okay, in your heads. Thank you. So we want to pick up where we left <laughs> off. Um, marriage relationships are hard work. There's no applause. There's no sighs or gasps of disbelief or... Or close relationships really are hard work. Uh, communication and understanding disconnect is 80% of what uh, marriage or close relationship difficulties uh, often are. And guess what? That's totally normal. And everybody in the room knows what I'm talking about, right? Maybe not Isaiah. You're not married yet, right? No? Okay. All right. So <laughs> you see, we see the world very differently. Yeah. We, like, Go ahead. Yeah. No. Can I just say, though, that... that um, so Pam and I over... 20, almost 28 years that we've been married. Um, there have been times and seasons when we've, we've had someone coaching us. Mm-hmm. I, I think it's healthy and helpful for all of us to yep. have people who coach us. And so 
couple different seasons. We've, we've taken courses. We've gone to counselors to, to coach us in how to do this well. And, and not because we were in danger of, you know, losing our marriage. Uh, it's such a bad way to word that. But just because yeah. we wanted to do it better. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. it was good. So, so, but one of the times, this actually, this point on the board, on the PowerPoint right now, is a quote from one of the coaches that we had in a, in a session. And he said this to us. And we both, I remember, we both, like, it's like a weight came off our shoulders, right? Some of the things that we, we deal with in working out our relationship, they're normal, right? And just to hear those words from a coach and say, you guys aren't, you're not, you're not, you know, broken or messed up more than any other couple. You're just, you're just normal, right? It was somewhat reassuring. It was, yeah. it was. <laughs> and, and the reality is, is that we, we see the world differently as a couple, right? We, we have, we, we each come from a first family that was different, did things differently, thought about the world differently. Um, we, we have, um, you know, our own personal experiences before we came together, our own personal woundedness and things that, that we, you know, we'd experienced in life. And don't forget the male-female part of that. Males and females, guess what? Tend, speaking generally here, Very tend different. to see things a little differently, right? <laughs> um, that's a whole other subject that we don't have say, time that's for five today. Other sermons. Yeah, yeah. Um, and our personality differences. I mean, you, you really can't get any more different than we are. Every personality um, test possible that's ever been creative, we've done, and we're absolute opposites. So, and, and the reality is, opposites often do attract. I know mm-hmm. it sounds cliche, but opposites often do attract, and so we have people in a marriage that are, tend to have different personalities as well. And so all of those things affect how we see the world, how we see life. Um, And so even though you may, if you're married, you may have been married for a long time. uh, And you you may well, you know, laugh at the same things. You may be able to finish each other's sandwiches sandwiches (laughs) or sentences, whichever the case may be. Um, but but even even though you have many similarities um you may still get caught in a situation of just seeing things very differently getting in one of these loops where you just you butt heads right and you keep button heads on the same thing um or or you just you think you're communicating communicating clearly but you're just not getting through Let's read a couple scriptures about that. I like that sound. Do it again. Okay. So Proverbs 18, verse 13. Um, just talking about communication here. He who answers before listening, that is his folly and his shame, or her folly and her shame. Um, and also Proverbs 17, 28. Actually, you have them written out here on the screen in ESV, so I'm going to read them from here. So Proverbs 18, 13, if one gives an answer before he hears, it is his folly and shame. And Proverbs 17, 28, even a fool who keeps silent is considered wise. When he closes his lips, 
he is deemed intelligent. That reminds me of a poster I had on my wall as a teenager. Better to, um, how did it go? Better to keep your mouth shut than to open your mouth, uh, be, keep your mouth shut and thought a fool than open your mouth and remove all doubt. Yeah, okay. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> yeah so, so, it's... Uh, Jim's just getting it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, it's, uh, it's listening at least as much... Communication. ...as we, as we speak, right? Uh, and, and it's hard work. So, here's an interesting verse that may not sound like a marriage verse, but let's read it. Without oxen, a stable stays clean, but you need a strong ox for a large harvest. Okay, so we're totally not going to talk about which one's the ox, are we? No. Okay, just no. <laughs> um, So here's the point of this, right? If, if you... Um, I mean, thinking back to when the, the farming culture, when this was written, right? If, if you want a nice, clean barn, don't have any animals in it, right? That makes it really easy. There's no hard work to having an empty, clean barn. You don't have to put food in the trough. You don't have to clean up the manure, Right? Everything just stays clean. But you don't have a working ox. You don't, just like a tractor today, right, to do the work. You don't have cows to milk or, or sheep to, to, uh, to eat or, or get wool from or whatever, right? You don't have, but everything's much easier, right? So, um, in our relationships, right, we, life, life is, um, I, I, I've heard this said about ministry. Um, ministry is easy except for the people, right? Right? Like if, 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 if it wasn't a people thing, it would just be an easy job. But, but the reality is it's a people thing, right? And, and that's true of relationships. Relationships would be easy if it wasn't for the people, Right? But the reality is we share our lives with people and it's messy and it's, but, but it's normal. And the, the manure that we have to sometimes wade through, the manure that we sometimes have to, to take out of the stall in our relationships is a sign that there is something good going on, right? Does that make sense? Well, it's oftentimes a sign of growth. Yeah. Come on. Well, and difficulty, but worth it. Manure means you're being fed. Yeah, it's true. Yeah. Manure means you're being fed. That's Pastor actually good analogy. So, good. Good, good, good. So. But if it's handled right, your marriage should be the actually most life-giving relationship you have yeah. in your life. So. Yeah. Um, how I treat you is how I treat myself. Oh, you. You're so good with that clicker. I'm way All right. Hungry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So in verses 28 to 31, we're not going to read it again. We did already read, already read it. But it's talking about one flesh. And as a husband leaves um, his parents and husband and wife cling, that's all good. All right. So one flesh is not just a sexual, physical reality. It is emotional. It is spiritual. It is real life. 
in marriage, we are a unit. Even in the body of Christ, we are a unit. How I treat you is how I'm treating myself. It's true. One of the lies that is out there, um, sometimes we hear, sometimes we come across, is that in order for me to advance, I have to pull you down or put you down. For me to get ahead, I have to belittle you. And that's actually the total opposite of what Jesus instructs us in, in the kingdom principles. You know, the first shall be last, the last shall be first. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, you know, coming at something in the opposite spirit. It's the kingdom principles sometimes are seemingly opposite, but they actually aren't. Um, yeah. Yeah, it, 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 it may not make sense um, that, that if I help you succeed, it's actually going to cause me to succeed. It's actually going to make my life better. Um, instead, in, you know, we tend to have this competition thing in business, in, in, uh, in the, just in the world, in, and in our marriages and relationships, right? Um, the reality is I am diminished when I diminish you. And I am strengthened when I choose to strengthen you. Um, Proverbs eleven twenty five. I love this passage. I don't know if it's. I don't remember what I put he on. He who so. refreshes others will himself be refreshed. Okay. Yeah. So he he who thank you for reading that. He who refreshes others will himself be refreshed in the body of Christ. And in marriage, in, in covenant relationships, that's so what we're talking about. In the body of Christ, and in marriage, and in relationships, period, we will bring blessing on ourselves if we seek to breathe life into other people. Yeah. Right? And not try, to, not try to take from them what we want, but pour into their... Didn't Jesus say something like, do unto others as you would have them do to you, Right? Do you do you want do you want to be encouraged? Well, don't Start encouraging. pull encouragement out of people. Start Encourage. Interesting example, real life. I mean, we're already running out of time. But yesterday, people go to bless people with soup. How many of you guys were blessed? You went to bless someone by delivering something, and you actually ended up being blessed. Mm-hmm. It's, just, it's it's that yeah. kind of principle. Yeah, it's cool. yeah, it's good. All right. Um, So, at the end of this passage, Paul says, um, he ends off this whole thing by saying, this is a profound mystery, but I'm talking about Christ and the church. It's kind of weird, right? Like, he he does this whole thing on marriage, and then he says, I'm actually talking about Christ and the church. But, yeah, husbands love your wives, and wives respect your husbands right? Um, so we're going to get to that in a moment, the fact that he's talking about Christ and the church, but, but this summary that he lands on at the end, he says, husbands, but husband must love his wife as he loves himself, and the wife must respect her husband. There's a, there's a book um, right here written by uh, Dr. Emerson Egricks. Egerich's, not sure how to say his name, but uh, we'll guess at that, um, called Love and Respect. And he unpacks this simple little statement. And it's, I, 
Uh, it's like it takes a bunch of Bible verses and puts them visually for us to figure out how to live. Yeah. 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 So, so he, go ahead. Are you going to put here. cycle on here? Or, yeah? Yeah. Oh, okay. Okay. I got the picture on my page, so I thought it was going on the so screen. So here's... All right. So she is hardwired. No, this is, again, generalization. But she is hardwired for love, love, to be cherished, pursued, cheered on, nurtured, safe place to flourish. Of all the people in the world she wants that from, it's her husband the most. And he, speaking in marriage right now, he is hardwired for respect, um, for success, this is, this is what, what, very generally speaking, this is what guys tend to get their identity from, right? Success, advancement, providing, protecting. And of all the people in the world that he wants respect from, it is his wife. Um, and so what, what tends to happen, this, the, the writer of this book unpacks this in a way I think that's, that's helpful, um, is uh, he, he says, first of all, there's this crazy cycle that sometimes, that, not sometimes, off, can often happen in marriage relationships. And if you are married or have been married, I think you're going to recognize this. Um, that, that when she doesn't feel loved, she reacts by withholding respect. And when he doesn't feel respected, he reacts by withholding affection and love. And you can see how this can turn into a really nasty downward spiral. Right? Where she's saying, until he starts showing me love, he's not going to get any respect. And he says, until she starts showing me respect, she's not going to get the love and affection that she and is stalemate. looking for. And we've worked with many couples over the years that this is um, this is this where is the cycle they're stuck. This in. is where they get yeah, stuck. Absolutely. And so again, last week and this week, what does this really look like? What do you do? Because I'm sure everyone in this room, or anyone who's watching. Um, this may not be the overarching theme of your marriage, but you can think of moments when this happened, you know. Okay. So what does it look like? How do you get unstuck? Did, you, did we want to talk about our story a little bit there, just an example? Sure, yeah. Okay. So, so well, let's say, first of all, let's say this first of all, and then... So, so at some point... Yeah, I think it's here. Yeah, so in order to break this downward spiral, this nasty cycle, someone has to choose to love regardless of whether he's going to respect me, or, or, or sorry, of she, of whether she's going yeah. to respect me, or to respect regardless of whether he's going to show that affection and love that I'm longing for. Somebody has to choose to do the opposite of what they feel like doing. Now, are we talking about Christians? Are we talking about the unbelievers in the world? We're talking about, like, just, we're talking to Christians. This was written to believers, right? Sure, yeah. sure. I mean, the principle works 
for anyone, I think. But yeah, I primarily this is these are kingdom principles that unlock blessing in our relationship. So as we were preparing this message, even last night, um, just kind of going through it, and I'm going, there's, but this is a very real thing that people deal with. How, like, don't just talk to me about all the theory and the nice pretty pictures. What does this act, how does this actually work? What happens here? When we're stuck in a cycle, how does it change? And, you know, it would be nice if there was just a magical formula or something. But, you know, um, I woke up at 4.30 this morning with some of the details for this, but uh, it's, we, we are created spirit, soul, and body, right? We're not a body with a spirit. We're actually spirit contained in a body for now. We are created spirit, soul, and body. And um, how many of you guys can think of passages, and I know there's one in Romans we were talking about this morning early, um, where we're told to be spirit-led, to be led by the spirit. So there's moments when we're in this vicious cycle where I ain't feeling loved, I'm just going to wait until I'm getting what I want, and then he might get what he wants. Like, like, you know, where we're stuck there, and what do you do? That's where the rubber meets the road. That's where, as believers, we actually have a superpower. Mm-hmm. Honestly, that's where, that's where we pause that's where this, you know, mutually submitting to one another. That's where I step back, and in all the spiritual disciplines I've been growing in my whole life, and especially in the last little while, I've been learning and training myself in how to hear what Holy Spirit is saying to me, or think about stuff from God's perspective, okay? So in that moment when we're stuck, it's that. It's I have to pause and step back and go, okay, God, what are you saying? And I don't have to muster up the strength and courage to do the opposite and to change the cycle. I, even though that will happen, I have to pause and hear what the Lord is saying to me. And I have to choose to be led by the Spirit of God that is alive within me Mm -hmm. and not be led by my emotional response. So in this cycle... I am going to choose to not be led by my emotions. I am going to choose to be led by what, how how God is training me in how to respond with love or respect. This is this is it's huge, powerful. So so, and and yes, thank you. Yeah, it applies applies to all relationships. Every relationship. If you have people in your life at all, you have people that you love and people that annoy you. So there is going to always be a moment where you can do this, where you get to pause and not react, but you get to hear what the Lord is saying, and you get to speak life and bless. Okay. So, so it could really be easy to, to get in the weeds here, because there's, there's so much truth here. This is a, could be a whole other thing, but, but let's look at this uh, in Romans 8, starting in verse 5. It says, those who live according to the flesh. Now, what is the flesh? That is the unredeemed, un. Yes. How do I say this? Un, not yet sanctified, not yet transformed parts of our emotion and our will that are stubbornly hanging on to what I want. I said that. I said yucky. Okay. Right? So, um, 
Those who live, and so this is not Christian and non-Christian. This is all of us yep. sometimes. Yep. Does that make sense? Okay, those who live according to the flesh have their minds set on what the flesh desires. But those who live according to the Spirit have their minds set on what the Spirit desires. The mind governed by the flesh is death. But the mind governed by the Spirit is life Life. and peace. So in those moments in your relationship where it smells like death. Or manure. Or manure. You know that one or both of us right now is functioning according to the flesh. Not according to the Spirit. When it feels like life and peace, you know that one that that we're both kind of firing in all cylinders here and we're functioning according to the spirit. Right? Yeah. Our if we if we set our minds on what I want and we get stuck in that loop, we end up being governed by the flesh, controlled by it. And we we get in a cycle we can't get out of. Does that make sense? Can we skipped our example there. I realized I jumped ahead of it. Yeah, you did. Can we do that now and then sure. just go back to what you were saying? Sure. Okay. Yeah. Um, well, I, this is, I'm a very visual person, so I value visuals. So I hope you can see the value of this. And I know I've talked about it before, so I'm sorry if it's repetitive for you. But uh, there was a time in my life, if you know Pastor Andrew at all, he's a man of few words, very deliberate with his words. And um, uses up most of them when he's preaching, so sometimes I find it challenging to get words from him. So, um, so, <laughs> okay, you are doing awesome with that, sorry, hon. <laughs> um, but there was a time in our relationship yeah. that um, I really needed from him, and not in an unhealthy way, but I really needed from him words, especially since one of my love languages and how I feel my emotional tank is words of life and words of affirmation. affirmation. So I needed words from him and he heard me. He thought he knew what I meant, but there was times when I felt like I was just nagging and just saying, oh my goodness, I just, I need you to just say what you're thinking. I know you're thinking it. I know you don't have bad intentions, but I need you to actually, you know, open your mouth and say these things to me, right? And so it it kind of ended up being this, we ended up in the the spiral here. Well, and I, I had a tendency, um, just just so, some of the, my own journey, my own the not yet healed parts of myself that I've received some healing, I think, and, and still on a journey. But, but I, would, I would get defensive and put a wall up when it seemed like she was trying to pull something out of me. It made it worse, right, for me, because I'm just like, whoa, you know, like... So, so well, and and some of the thought process, even in that, is whoa. What do you mean? Are you saying I'm not cutting it? What are you yeah. What are you accusing me of now? And you know, like so that being def- being defensive yeah. of of uh, feeling feeling judgment when she wasn't meaning judgment. And I'm just like she just needed it. life from me. Yeah, right? but what I needed from him, as much as that may have been healthy, could have even in my stuckness and frustration ended up in an unhealthy way too, right? Because I'm going to use my words to try to get out of you. If I can't get good words out of you, then I'm just going to come at you and see if I can't get any words out of you. Yeah. You know, like that's not good either. Just saying. Right. So, that's, that's so a bad thing. we would often get in this <laughs> downward spiral thing that, that we described, right? 
And I remember it was about, when was this? Maybe 15 years ago or something. And I just yeah. remember, uh, so this is an example of, if you're in this spiral, pause and let God show you how to do something different. Because if you keep doing the same thing over and over again, expecting to keep getting the you're going to get the same results, yeah. even if you expect different results is the definition of insanity. And I remember, I remember the moment where it's like, um, it was an aha moment where I'm like, I can't get anything from, it, it, it's bedtime, we're laying in bed, and I remember the moment of like, I just, I really want you to pray for me. I want you to pray for me. Like, and I, I totally refuse to say it. I should not have to ask you to pray for me. You know I need you to pray for me at night, and I think it's right, and come on. And I didn't actually say a word. And he's laying in bed beside me, and all I did was I took his hand, and I put it on my head. And I didn't say a word. No, I didn't. I just laid there. It was weird. Didn't say a word. But the vulnerability of rather than trying to take something, but the vulnerability of just saying, you know, I just bless me. You know, like I just, I, just, I, I want to receive you. from you. It's like it broke something in this cycle. And, and I recognize she's not, this, she's not attacking me. She just, she, it's going to be a blessing to her for me to speak these words or to pray for her, or whatever, right? And it, it, it started a change in our relationship. Yeah, it, that was the upward spiral. Where, where yeah. And, and now, even now, sometimes, you know, busyness and craziness of life or whatever, it doesn't, we don't have to go through all the lead up to that moment. Sometimes I can just, I can just, oh, shoot, I just blew it. <sighs> you know, like, he knows I'm coming to him without demanding stuff. He knows that what I'm saying is I'm, you know, it's just, you're going to have to figure out what works in your relationship. And you're going to have to hear from the Lord in how to humble yourself with one another, whether it is, a marriage, whether it's a close relationship, whether it's within the body of Christ, as we live out life maturely, if we find that we're getting the wrong results, check our own heart, ask the Lord, and he's not holding out on you. He's going to give you the key. He's mm -hmm. going to tell you what the next yeah. step is because when we are blessing one another and love and respect is being released, we are in honor preferring one another. All those one another's that are all those directions in the scripture, but how we love one another how people know Jesus is with us is because we love one another. You know, all of those things. So it's, it's just, I uh, hope you don't mind us sharing that. I know I've shared yep. it before, but it's, it's a, just a key in turning the spiral. So. And so once, once that, that downward spiral is broken, if we can learn to actually serve one another by pouring into the other what we know would would strengthen them would help them would bless them and again marriage or any relationship looking for ways to pour into others not feeling like if i pour into you i'm going to be depleted and not have anything left but say how can i how can i help you succeed and 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 what happens is it actually starts to pour back and we get we get this upward positive spiral that can start to happen where his love, um, sorry, next one, um, where the energizing cycle where his love actually motivates her respect 
and her respect actually motivates his affection and love. And, and we're actually um, encouraging each other in this upward spiral that's, that is life-giving. Right? What a difference. Yep. It's true. So Paul, Paul... Does that make sense? That makes sense. Okay, just looking for a response here. Good, good. Um, Paul says here, he says, this is a profound mystery. All of this is a profound mystery, but I'm talking about Christ and the church. Folks, um, we are all being matured and purified. And Paul is saying here, um, that Christ, in, in the passage, he says, Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her to make her holy, cleansing her by the washing with water through the word, and to present her to himself as a radiant church without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish, but holy and blameless. This transforming Maturing work of Christ in our lives happens when we learn to grow in mutual love, mutual submission, mutual serving and respect. Um, this is how the kingdom works. This is a big key. If you want to live as a kingdom person, as a Jesus person, as a gospel person, this is how it works. Lay down your life and live for the sake of Jesus and his purpose and seeing others flourish and grow. Um, Mark 4, 34 and 35 says, Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves, take up their cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it. What does that mean? When, when I'm being self-protective and pushing you out or defensive or withholding from you because I might not have enough resources or when, when I'm trying to save my life, I'm actually going to lose it. I'm going to shrivel up and die in my self-protective cocoon. But when I choose to love and serve, it doesn't make sense, but I'm actually going to flourish and grow and receive more. Give and you shall receive. Pressed down, shaken together, and running over. Right? And if you find yourself stuck in any of those cycles, in a rut, stop. Pause and hear what the Lord is leading you and be led by, your, by, by the Holy Spirit. So spirit, soul, and body. Our spirit is an antenna of redeemed, redeemed life. Once you come to the Lord, your spirit hears from Holy Spirit. So pause and hear from Holy Spirit and let him lead you in how to turn that cycle around or how to get out of that rut. Because don't stay stuck there. It's not worth it. Jesus is coming back for a wedding to a bride that has been cleansed by his word, that is radiant, 
that is without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish, but is holy and blameless. The church can't be those things unless her people are those things. Jesus is making you radiant. He's taking away every stain, wrinkle, and blemish and making you holy and blameless. Isn't that awesome? But He's doing it in, in the arena of our relationships. That's what Paul is saying. That's how Jesus is doing His maturing, transforming work. Is when we learn to submit and surrender and serve one another in love. It's powerful. Let's stand. Thank you, Pam, for your help. Three questions. No, two questions. Actually, did I change those questions? No, I changed them on my paper, but I didn't change them on there. Sorry. All right, so listen to these questions, I guess. The first one is the same. How healthy is your covenant commitment to Christ? Are you growing? Right? Are you growing? Second question. What crazy cycle, remember the crazy cycle, right? Withholding, I'm not going to give until I get, right? What crazy cycle in your relationship with the Lord Right? The same thing happens in our relationship with the Lord. That, that we, we refuse to submit to Him at moments when we're being rebellious, don't we? So what crazy cycle in your relationship with the Lord do you need to turn into an energizing cycle? To surrender to Him. How will you short-circuit that pattern? How will you... Choosing to do the opposite of what your flesh wants to do. How will you short-circuit that negative cycle? And what are the things you need to choose to do to make your closest relationships grow? All of us, to grow our relationships, something selfish in us needs to die. So what does that look like? Amen. Let me pray for us. God, this is not just some relationship seminar. This is not just getting some tools so we can have a little better relationship. But God, this is actually where the rubber meets the road in walking with you. This is where everything changes. This is where we are actually transformed and made mature. So God, I pray that you would do your work in us today. We would learn how to surrender our fleshly responses and reactions and to choose to be spirit-led in how we do relationships. That we would grow and mature in you. That we would be radiant and wrinkle-free 
as we prepare our lives for your return. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.